Hello and welcome to Often Wrong, Never in Doubt with Montgomery West. I'm your host, Montgomery West. So, I guess this is my inaugural episode. Hello, if you don't already know me. Yeah, let's let it settle in real quick. Um, this is gonna be interesting because I feel like usually the types of people that are able to establish a podcast that's solely based off of their personality and interests already have a pre-existing platform full of people who are just chomping at the bit to hear more extensive content from them. And that's not the case with me. Like anyone my age, I do have social media and I do have mutuals and I have friends on there and some randos, but nobody is awaiting this. Frankly, no one asked for this. And I think that's ultimately okay, especially considering that this is, at the end of the day, for my senior capstone project. So if the content sucks, I'm gonna get that A, baby. Doesn't matter. I made something, I learned something about myself, which is that I suck, and that is a perfectly valuable lesson. And you might be wondering who makes a podcast if they don't already have an internet following that wants to hear more from them or if they aren't particularly knowledgeable on any one subject. And to that, I clearly don't have an answer, but I'm hoping that rhetorical inquiry will be answered within the next 15 minutes or four episodes, not sure. Maybe it'll be the central thought that is like pushing this entire podcasting endeavor. If there is anyone to blame other than myself for why I decided to go on this podcasting endeavor, I would just like to give a special shout out to my 8th grade English teacher and art teacher from last year who both said they thought I was going to be a talk show host one day. And I love them, but the, the fact that they just planted that little idea inside my head to ferment in a file cabinet in the back of my brain has left me with the sinking delusion that I deserve to have a platform or to be famous or to be someone whose thoughts are publicized on a wide scale. But I guess I should get into the roots of all that delusion. So in eighth grade, I kind of had a Snapchat influencer era. I'm not gonna lie, I was influencing my community. My middle school. My my middle school that Let's just say there were only 32 people in my grade. There was not, it was not a great, a greatly vast community, but it was a community for that matter. And what I would do is I had this show where I would get on my phone like probably twice a week and I would brew my tea and then I would take photos and videos of me drinking it and caption it with various relatable things from my life and... I started quoting people as well. And that's where it got into the sketchy territory that I got into where when I was quoting people like my friends to roast them, it was greatly encouraged because they thought that was peak comedy, that making fun of people um, with their consent is the heart of what's funny to a 13-year-old audience. So that's what I continued to do. And as I got egged on and my ego was kind of fed because I thought everyone wanted this, I extended it to talking about and quoting people like teachers or other students that don't have me on Snapchat. So I was just taking all this out-of-context stuff in a completely biased way, making fun of anyone and everyone for anything. 
And that's where it got into the sticky situation where I think I made fun of this person a few too many times because one of their friends um, told them one day and, you know, I don't know what it is exactly to this day that I said that they heard me say, but it must have pushed a button because their mom came to school that day. I was in the office um, being lectured. Actually... To say I was being lectured, I think, is an over-exaggeration because compared to what I think could have happened, I definitely got off easy. I did get suspended for a day, but the teachers were reprimanding me under the guise that I was really just misguided and you, what you really did is you created this enabling culture of bystanders and that's why you got to this point where you couldn't see in hindsight that you would regret being so mean to people. I don't even know if they said to my face, like, you were being mean. Because I think most of what that meeting was, was me just, like, blabbering to them, being like, oh, I just, I, may, I know I'm a cyber bully, but, like, I just, I thought it was so funny. Like, I just didn't know it was gonna get to, you know, what you would do if you're being mean, mean to people online and then someone tells the school about it. That's what you'd expect to do. But yeah, they wouldn't even admit that I'm a cyberbully, which I, do, I don't think I was. I, I, but I definitely wanted, I wanted that because then in my, to my 13 year old pea brain, that is the only title that would make sense other than just, oh, you were, you went a little bit too far. You kind of flew into the sun in an Icarus fashion and now you're here and you're just going to have to change your content up. So yeah, I did get suspended for a day. I wrote an apology to the person I had hurt and I wrote a reflection to the school. And that was that. They even encouraged me to continue the whole thing. So from there on out, for the rest of eighth grade, and I believe a little bit into freshman year, I was going on Snapchat twice a week, sipping my tea, talking about my life. Did the content get drier after I got in trouble? Yes, definitely. Probably because it wasn't actually funny in the first place. So making fun of people about their appearance or their Instagram posts were really all I had. And I wasn't very creative with it. So that was very evident as I continued to do T-spam and my content was lacking. I was really just doing it because people were excited to see it. And most people didn't even know that I got in trouble. I think my friends did. And I think most of my grade could tell that there was sort of a shift but to me, I was super paranoid, even though I knew that what I had, like, how I changed up the way I was talking about my life and making more general things that were like, when English class is boring, that type of stuff was definitely more mellow and I don't know if people cared. I have a friend from that period of my life, I don't, don't ask me why or how I still have them in my life, but they were like, oh, I miss T-spam. And that was something that I quite frankly did not expect to hear or should even be said from anyone. I don't think it's quality content at all. But I bring it up here today as a testament of a deeper desire or like I said earlier, maybe a delusion that I might be famous one day or I'm deserving of some type of platform. That being said, it was an interesting choice of a story to bring up as I am presumably introducing myself to all of you who might be listening, which might be maybe 
one or two people that don't already know me that aren't my friends who came here to support. But I guess I should reflect on why I chose to bring it up. Other than what I said about it being sort of this origin story for me, it's really that I've sort of evolved away from... While I've evolved away from Snapchat itself, I deleted the app a few months ago because it's... I feel like, okay, there's... How do I complain about my hatred of Snapchat without it sounding like I'm just mad that my little show that I had ended up getting sniped by my own hubris? Because that's not the only reason why I could hold resentment for it. I don't really hold any resentment for that now. I only bring it up as, like I said, an origin story, an introduction. But, why does Snapchat suck? Okay, let me tell you why it sucks. One, what the fuck are streaks? Why did we do- I say we because yes, I did participate in it for most of high school. What are streaks? What is the point of streaks? What is the point of streaks? I ask you a third time, what is the point of streaks? Why are we, why are we, as a society, waking up in the morning, sending a blurry photo of our foot, our room, the side of our face, to 30 to 100 to 500 random people that do not care if I live or die, for that matter? Maybe 10 of them are friends. Like, actual friends that I would talk to. But even if... If that's the case, you're only sending it to your friends, why wouldn't you just say good morning to your friend or text them or send them an Instagram post that reminded- Like, there are so many ways in the world of the internet to express to someone that you want to either get to know them or continue being friends with them or just check in. That's what I'm saying. Let I think Snapchat is holding us back. It is holding the children of America, of the world- It is holding the children of the world back from developing- socially. I I think our social development has been set back 10 years because of the culture surrounding Snapchat. That being said, I could also be holding resentment. This brings me to number two. Hookup culture being centered on Snapchat. I didn't participate, probably because we don't need to get into all the reasons of why I would be unlikable because that's just speculative, obviously. But Yeah, I understand why people hold on to Snapchat for that reason. And I'm not really gonna get into that too much, because like I said, I did not participate. So I only bring it up as another facet of not why it sucks per se. It's both, okay, it's both why it kind of sucks and why I would see why people would hold on to it. Because I just, I'm sorry, if I can't, If I have to get to know you by seeing, sending you pointless small talk, like, photos of the side of your face and my face and my foot and, like, what are you up to? I just couldn't do- I just can't do it. And then the third reason could be that stories. I have probably two friends that I care about- like, I care about what their private story is because that's where they post the most about what they're doing and I care about them, obviously. And the thing about that is that I'm not actually a hater of them. I'm actually saying they're kind of the only thing I miss. But in general, stories, we all know that we're posting stories because when we do something or something is nice, something feels like it's going right with our lives, we feel the need to document it 
for other people to see. And that's why Instagram is a thing. That's why Twitter. That's why TikTok. Every social media does, to a certain extent, rely on this human need. This instinct that we've developed that, like, everything should be shared. But on Snapchat, for some reason, it actually feels like an obligation. To, to the point where when you see what other people are doing, you're like, oh, well, why didn't I go to the farmer's market today? Me. God, I suck. I actually suck. I didn't go on a walk today. And that's, the thing about it is you could be listening to that and being like, that sounds like a you problem. Like, maybe you have issues with comparing your life. But it's like, no, shut up. Every single person, you know, from the ages like, even when you're a kid, you're internalizing all that. But especially if you're in middle school or a younger person in high school, you are thinking like that on a subconscious level. And so that's another reason why it sucks. And then probably the fourth, and for now, final, because that's the only thing I can think of, reason why it kind of sucks is the memories. Which is interesting because for the longest, like, for the past year where I've just had Snapchat but not really used it that much, it's been because I want to see what I did a year ago, two years ago, three years ago, four years ago. And while I considered that valuable information, it did hurt my feelings every single time that I opened it. Every single day I would be like, what did I do? And I got hurt every time because I was, especially in 2020, is a special case because we were all inside. Hopefully, I hope you were inside. Um... We were just looking at other things that we did or people we were with. That is where that is where the pain actually comes from, probably, is because your memories are usually reminding you that you don't talk to those people anymore. And so that sucks. And, okay, as I conclude my segment of why Snapchat is kind of my least favorite social media at this point, I guess my conclusion could be that being a teenager in the age of social media is going to be full of comparison and hating your life and hating yourself, but for some reason on that app, it makes those feelings a lot more accessible. I understand that there are quite a lot of Snapchat enthusiasts who feel the same way I feel, but towards Instagram, but this is my podcast, so I'm talking about why I don't like Snapchat, which is definitely... An unexpected turn after hearing my whole segment about how I was considered to be considered by myself, a self-titled influencer of Snapchat. Nobody was subscribed to me, just friends of friends. If you knew, you knew at the time in the era of T-Spam. But I would like to think that I've evolved as a person on social media, um, someone who posts differently, better, is actually entertaining. Maybe I actually have insightful social commentary but above all else that I'm actually a decent human being on the internet I mean like I sort of explored with t-spam I unfortunately in the beginnings of my expression on social media I ended up hurting someone and to that I do give my sincerest apologies that you know there had to be someone who all my insecurities could be thrown onto and end up facing the brunt of it all. But yeah, that was just a long-winded way of me saying that ultimately I am not holier than thou. I think a lot of people who start podcasts either sound like or actually genuinely think that they are a little bit better 
than the average person, maybe, because they can sit by themselves or with another person and just talk about a topic as if they know exactly what's happening. And I feel like even though I've been told that I sound like I'm very sure of what I'm saying, I'm usually not. And so this is all very embarrassing right now, just sitting here and saying things and having to deal with the fact that I can control if I want it to be quote-unquote perfect like I could edit it or retake it as many times as I want but I'm really just trying to let it flow because I know at the end of the day there's probably nobody listening or there's like two people listening so I guess yeah what was I talking about I said social commentary right okay yes social commentary I think the app that lends itself to that is for me I think it's TikTok because with Twitter, while well, you can have threads upon threads, or you can make like a very simple joke or statement that's off the cuff, that feels like at the end of the day, it's kind of private. It's public, but it's private. I have a public Twitter, and but only 300-ish followers and barely any people like my tweets. So it does feel a little bit more like, this is just from my brain, it doesn't actually have to be like a good thought, and it's not perfectly developed. And the thing about Twitter is that I feel like there's a huge jumping off point between that and to be at a level or where you have a, the type of following where you can have think pieces. There is just a huge drop off, drop off point between, no, I don't think drop off point is the right way to describe it. It's a, it's like, it's like an equivalent to a learning curve, except it's not learning. It's about just like your platform. Like you really are stuck if you're in between where you just give off the cuff, like meaningless ideas or like funny things from your life that get like eight likes versus you can do think pieces or you can quote tweet topical things and get a lot of likes for that. Like there is just too much of a, di a divide between that and I see why Twitter is somewhat unpopular, I guess amongst the locals, um, for that very reason. But I think the opposite of that is TikTok. TikTok is the opposite because it doesn't matter how many followers you have or people who engage with you. If you say something stupid and there are enough stupid people out there who agree, uh, you will get traction. And I've learned that... I can't even say the hard way, the easy way. That's the thing about TikTok. It's easy. Yes, Twitter is easy. You can just push buttons. But I have thought about jokes before um, and, like, hopped on, like, like, trends on Twitter in a way where I'm like, yeah, Whatever algorithms out there, it should have my back on this one. And it absolutely doesn't. It gets two likes. But on TikTok, I've sat in front of my green, the green screen filter in front of a photo I like. And then that's gotten hundreds of thousands of views. And now I don't know what to do with myself. Because with as more and more social medias develop, the more that we're seeing the democratization of celebrity... At first with YouTube, where you have those really big YouTubers who are basically on the same level, at least in wealth and status, as celebrities in the early 2000s and, you know, for the past century have been. But then more and more we see this, like, even, like, this full Venn diagram circle of, like, what fame or relevancy is. To the point where you have TikTok people doing brand deals and doing things that are, like, okay, this is the way that I think YouTubers function and that they're, they have they have all these ads and they have all these events in a way where they do have a celebrity-like following, but they're just referring to themselves as people who happen to be relevant. 
which I think is true. I do, I do agree. Like, people in content houses, I guess you could call it fame, but I agree more with those in, like, the hype house that are like, oh, I'm just relevant. I don't consider myself, like, a famous person. I'm literally just a teenager. But with that, it's, it's weird, because, like I said, you don't have to commit in order to have a platform. As that came out of my mouth, I think I disagree with that, actually. <laughs> Let me double back. I think in order to, ha like, gain a following, which I guess you could argue is synonymous with the, word the way I use the word platform, in order to have that type of following, you would have to consistently put in enough work to at least hold to the caliber that you've set with, like, that viral video, you know? But also, what's happened to me is that I have three viral videos that, like, are completely unrelated from each other, and some of them, <laughs> there's not that many, but like two out of three of them actually are things that I sat down and I was like, oh, I like this picture, or like, I have a joke about this picture. Like, I thought about it, and it's like, I think this is a decent representation of me, um, but it's weird because I just haven't fully committed to posting on there because I'm scared if I actually commit and I'm like, no guys, like I do art, I'm pretty, I'm hilarious, I wrote all these jokes and I'm like doing all this social commentary. If I actually committed to trying to create a following on there, I would be scared to fail. And if I fail, that means in the back of my mind that all the delusions I mentioned earlier about me deserving to have a platform or maybe being famous one day would not be true. And I would just have to pack up my bags and get out of the industry. And that's terrifying to think about for me as someone that I think, okay, I think everyone deep down thinks that they could or should be famous at any, like at some point in your life, you cannot deny that you thought like, oh yeah, like I would want to do that. Not necessarily like believing that you could, but like just picturing yourself on a red carpet or picturing yourself in the industry whatever that is for you. So, but for me, I'm like, uh-oh, I'm an adult, I'm 18, and that hasn't left my brain. I don't, I don't, now I don't think I want to be an actor or do anything like being a musician that I'm not qualified for. But for some reason, I just need to be, I, it's weird, it, I just need to be perceived in some way. And that's probably pretty evident at the point that I've been talking to myself for the past 25 minutes. I should probably double back on my comment about everyone thinking that they should or want to be famous at one point because that is obviously a generalization to everyone. If I'm actually addressing everyone, I guess I'm just speaking in the back to all my people that also fail to move in silence. You know what it's like if you are like myself in that I don't think anyone has ever walked away from a conversation with me and thought I was mysterious. For better or worse. That is just not a quality that I have. I even saw an astrologer last year um, who said, I, one of the first things she says in the meeting was that, oh yeah, you would be a really bad ninja. So I had to cross that off my list. <laughs> I'm just thinking like, before that, I had never thought about being a ninja, but only after she said, oh, you'd be a really bad ninja, the type of person I am, who's a bit competitive, um, I was like, well, who says that? I, you just read my birth chart, you don't know. You've never seen me sneak around the countertop. Like, 
of course I would be a bad ninja. I know that. I walk into a space, and if I didn't walk in, like, like shoulders fully expanded, like, hey, you would know that I walked into the space because I, like, tripped and fell or something. So I would make a bad ninja. But as soon as she said that, I was like, wait, hold on, hold on. What do you know about me? But I think that was a good technique because then I was very engaged the rest of the meeting especially when she got into maybe my past life about being some sort of princess that wasn't allowed to explore her feelings or be in the relationship she wanted to be with. So in my present life, I'm trying to trust the world again. So maybe I blame, I definitely blame my past self as this princess for any type of intimacy issues or my Aquarius Venus for that matter. I don't know if that's exactly where she got that from the reading, but to my very limited astrological knowledge, that is where that comes from. My relationship with the topic of astrology is really funny though because um, amongst most of my friends, I'm known as the most knowledgeable person and the one who's most interested in it. So people are always asking me like, what do you think about my big three or like describe these qualities of a Taurus? And I'm just sort of like, mm, uh, I don't know. I like, I don't really, I, and I think it's okay. It's probably mostly because in junior year for AP Lang, I did make my research project centered around astrology. Um, at first I was like, I'm going to prove that, or I'm going to like ask the question, like, is it a pseudoscience? And because of the pandemic, I just never got to finishing that. I literally just turned it into a video slideshow of just the history of it itself. So really, I can't help you with that much. Um, I just learned a few bullet-pointed, like, first page of Google level material related to its origins. So don't even ask me. But I'm still very curious. So maybe... If this is a little bit, at least a little bit, not super mortifying, I and I can have another podcast episode, I should bring someone who's more knowledgeable than I about astrology on. Because everything I know is really just an amalgamation of the one time I saw that astrologer that I referenced earlier, and then what I see on TikTok and Instagram. And um, I'm not a fan of CoStar. They're kind of, I just don't trust the app. First of all, the way that they have the houses organized, I i don't think is right. Like, I actually don't think they have, they're that astrologically verified. And then also, they, the notifications they send are just really odd and weird. And I feel like they'd be disconcerting if I didn't know that much about astrology and I was just trusting it. Um, and also, like, their marketing strategy where they were like, the signs at a BLM protest. It was like, okay, you guys are getting a little bit too... You guys are kind of, like, not in the right area right now. So, yeah. I don't fuck with CoStar. I really like Charts Astrology. I think that's what it's called. And what else do I use? Let me look at my phone. Oh my god, that was my fork. So sorry, everyone. What apps do I use? Let me recommend, this will be the plug section of my podcast. I think I'm supposed to wrap this up soon. So this is the plug section. What astrology apps do I use? Ooh, the pattern. Very specific, very horrifying. Love it. Um, charts, like I said, and Horos. I don't know why I got that. I haven't opened it in six months. That being said, if you kind of want to get into, astro into astrology, I just recommend getting apps then because I feel like just looking at like tumblr text posts that are reposted on instagram are not always accurate 
And most of the jokes about astrology from, like, TikTok and Twitter are pretty generalized, too. So, yeah. That's my advice slash plug section. And, oh my god, you can hear my mom talking to animals in the back. I I was stubborn when I, like, started recording this. I was like, I'm not soundproofing my room. I'm just gonna put a sign so that people don't bother me and barge in. But I forgot that the acoustics in my house are such that, like, you can kind of hear quite literally everything that's going on. Um, if you've heard anyone barge in, you've heard my mom talking to our four pets. So sorry. I hope you are not too bothered by that. But yeah, I think this has been my first episode. I don't really know what else to cover. It's just been really, it's been, okay, it's been like almost 30 minutes. And I will say a lot of it has been pretty awkward, but also pretty fun. So hopefully the awkwardness will subside as I bring friends along. But if you've gotten this far, just thank you so much. I appreciate you for toughing it out. And I hope you tune in for another episode of Often Wrong, Never in Doubt with Montgomery West.